when I think about failure, it means to me that I tried something new and different. It's, it's really easy to achieve some level of success as it can be defined. Do what's been done before, you know, realize the most expected outcome based on that behavior and call it successful. Like, that's fine. People can do that. Um, you're not going to push forward in any real or unique way. Mm. Um, so when I think about times that I failed or when I think about what failure means, it means I've tried something new and different. Yeah. And I think that not only is that an exceptional learning opportunity, um, but it creates the opportunity to actually break through and find a new way to do something and do it more effectively. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ad Blocking with Jason Duane Smith. The world around us is, well, different. We're living in a time that tests all of our boundaries and beliefs. It's not always easy. And sometimes, talking about ads is the last thing any of us want to do. Ad blocking is a podcast, or maybe a safe space, where real people, real marketers, talk about everything but advertising. Stories of growing up, coming out, falling down, and looking in. Underneath it all, we're all just humans. On today's episode, I speak with Michael Smith, head of marketing communications for PepsiCo's water portfolio. Beyond Mike's daily success in the world of CPG marketing, he's also a father, a husband, and a man of intention. In our discussion, Mike and I explore what it means to be a good citizen in today's climate, confronting the comfort of anonymity, and flawed definitions of success. Mike inspires us all to be creative, innovative, to take chances, but more importantly, live with purpose. I walked away from this conversation with some much needed and timely insight that I hope inspires us all to try new things, be different, and be aware of predictability. And with that, let's dive in. place to start for us maybe mike is that in 2019 early 2019 for me both you and i were in two completely different places <laughs> physically and professionally and personally for me you know i was working at an ad agency and i will say that the ad agency was great to me but i didn't feel very fulfilled in life per se. Um, you know, I was growing my family, you know, second kid was just two and a half years old. Um, you know, and then even just physically, I, I probably wasn't taking care of my body as well as I could. And late that year, I started to take more control of my life, you know, and I looked and said, how can I have more sort of fulfillment out of my work? How can I spend more time with my children? How can I take better care of myself? So Mike, that was the road 
And then March 2020 hit. <laughs> and it was, all right, well, reset, reimagine, uh, reinvigorate. And so I've certainly been on the journey for this year to keep that reinvigoration going, thinking about adaptability, thinking about vulnerability. And you and I have become friends going way back to that chance encounter at the Kendrick Lamar concert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you've taught me a lot. So I thought we could start our dialogue with just an open question to, you know, thinking about that journey in 2020, how have you thought about your evolution, your change, and what this year has meant to you in terms of your contribution to the world? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great question. Um, and I think it's something that everyone can, or at least should be grappling with to, to some degree. You know, we're, we're living in a pretty unprecedented time. And if that doesn't change you or your outlook in some way, shape or form, then I don't know that you're delving deep enough. Um, you know, for me, I think there were there were a few things that come to mind. I think the first thing that I've really been hit with is questioning what it means to be a citizen. You know, I've, I've always worked under this illusion that if I do the right thing, if I live my life the right way, that there's a ripple from that into the world that's positive. I no longer know if that's enough. Um, and, and I've spent so much of my life living in large cities and I've kind of a lo loved being this anonymous person in a crowded place. Um, and it all comes back to that idea of, you know, myself. And I don't know that I've been appreciative enough of what it means to hold out your hand and help someone else and to think about more than yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I've really been thinking about what it means to be a citizen of our country, what it means to be a leader in a corporation, um, what it means to think more about other people um, than you necessarily think about what you yourself are doing. So I've been trying to analyze that a lot and think about you know, what that means for me and how I want to live my day-to-day -day life. I think the one other thing that has been really interesting for me and so many people are going through extremely hard times and I'm not overlooking how lucky I think both of us are candidly to be able to um, live with some level of normalcy uh, mm -hmm. in the times that we're in but I've actually been almost afraid is the wrong word but surprised with how comfortable I've been living a much simpler life. Hmm. Um, when you strip away all of the things that, you know, we kind of thought were important, um, not as much of my happiness has been stripped away as I thought. Um, and does that mean that, you know, I'm comfortable or too comfortable not putting myself in unique and differentiated situations, not having as many new experiences. Um, and so that's something I'm just grappling with you know, on my own, because I do think it's important to stay motivated to you know, explore new and different things. And that's something I haven't missed as much as I thought I would have missed it. So that's something else that I'm just thinking about. And then I think lastly, what's been really positive for me is how much I've just enjoyed the simple nature of spending time with my family. So, you know, you know, I have a nine month old, uh, my first, so it's been a pretty drastic change. Um, <laughs> but 
you know, just every day spending time with him, spending time with my wife, even if it's in our tiny New York City apartment, right, with nothing else going on, those little moments have been so, so fulfilling. Um, and so when we come out of this, how I balance what I believe is some of the self-actualization that comes with, you know, engaging in new experiences against just the comfort and familiarity of, you know, leaning back on the people that you love and the time you spend with them is a balance that I'll, I'll have to find and have to strike. But I think those two things, plus really thinking about the role that I should be playing and should I be playing a more active role as a citizen of our country um, are the three things that have been kind of new to me in 2020. You used a word that no one has actually mentioned to me and it is a sobering and also enlightening and word um, was anonymity and you and it's a powerful one one thing that Mike I love about you is your care and intention with your vocabulary (laughs) and I want to maybe be a bit vulnerable about that word for me and you also used another reference which is our fortune and our blessings you know as men and citizens of our society. And for me, something that I was confronted with on, you know, I can't remember exactly what date, but it was over this summer. I was sitting on the couch in the midst of COVID after I'd given up on screen time management with my eight-year-old and we're watching ESPN. Now, what I'm going to say, I want to make sure that I clarify why I'm referencing it. It will be a racial reference, but that's not the idea. We were watching ESPN and we were watching the story about Bubba Wallace, the NASCAR driver. And the ESPN analyst referenced this discovery of a noose in the paddock of where he was racing. And now had I been watching it on my own, Yes, maybe I would have felt some of the vile reaction that I should, but watching it with my eight-year-old next to me and learning, Mike, that he needed to be exposed to that at such a young age and that I needed to explain what that was, it was almost an awakening from anonymity for me. I couldn't address being a citizen in the world from behind the scenes anymore. Because I had the blessing of being in an environment in which the racism, the bias, the challenges I face every day, I still come home to a pretty good paycheck. I still have a job. I still have health insurance. My kids go to pretty good schools. All in all, I don't really have much to complain about. And it really has challenged me in 2020, Mike. And I know I haven't struck the balance right. But how do I come out of my shell? How do I use my influence? How do I use my voice? How do I use my presence in whatever way form it may be? It may be within the 10 block radius of my neighborhood. It may be within the family center that I live in and, and, and breathe within. It may be within my work. I don't know. But how do I come out of that anonymity? And I love that you brought that up because it was something I wanted to talk to you about is you have found a way professionally to navigate to the highest of high and done it with a quiet calm. 
you don't see Mike Smith on ad week every week. You don't see Mike Smith on some blog every week. Like you have such a presence around your professionalism, your brightness, your intention, but you don't think of Mike Smith as being this very outspoken person. And so I guess the question is, how have you thought about balancing our blessings, our fortune with the power in anonymity, because there's power in that. There's power in just sneaking up on people, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I actually wanted to pick your brain on that because your personality and your drive is really about, I don't need public proof of what I'm doing. I'm just gonna take care of the job. I'm gonna get it done. That's what Mike Smith does. You don't need people coming up, patting you on the back. But maybe now, listen, folks like us, we have to confront this concept of being visible versus being anonymous. And I wanted to get your perspective on that balance. Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question. I don't I don't know that I have the answer. It, I think it's a it's a journey that I'm working through on on my own right now. I think what's been most um, visible for me and what's driven at least a change in thought process is becoming more of a a leader um, and thinking about what that actually means. So you know, you're right, like. I'm passionate about the work. And you know, I, I, I have like Bill Belichick ringing in my ears, do your job, do your job, right? And I can be very, you know, I can have tunnel vision to some degree where I can isolate energy and focus it on a very specific thing. So, you know, if you give me a marketing exercise, an intellectual exercise, something that, that is intriguing to me, I will run after that for days. Um, and I will focus my energy on that. Um, but any of the extracurriculars that you know impede on that focus, I can compartmentalize and not worry about. And that's been useful to me over the course of my career as I've continued to focus on you know work and, and projects that I'm passionate about. The less any individual or me in this case you know, becomes, the less value you have um, in doing individual work and succeeding on a project level or on a brand level. And the more value you have in building teams and building organizations, you kind of have to think about, you know, how to create that value. And it becomes less, at least in my opinion, about focusing energy on solving a problem or proving you're the smartest person in the room or, you know, delivering the killer campaign. And it becomes about how you instill that same confidence and belief and skill set in more people, um, and how you you know evangelize a, a point of view that will allow you know more people to to take up arms and move in the same direction. And so, as that's become more of my focus, as that clarity has become visible to me, I've tried to focus less on just doing the job and killing the job and more on helping develop people and helping to cultivate a point of view. And that requires, I think, a couple of things. Um, number one, it does require you know, being more visible um, and having more to say and putting yourself out there more. And I think that requires a level of confidence and self-assurance that I don't know that I've always had. I was listening to, and we talked earlier, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts and you talked about imposter syndrome. And I think that's very, very real. Um, you know, I've, I've done well, I suppose, um, but 
I don't know that I wake up every day with the same level of self-assurance that this is exactly you know, where I should be. Um, and this is the role that I should have. And I know exactly how to accomplish what I need to accomplish today. And the more that that anxiety exists, the easier it is to not put your point of view out there. Because if you're not, you know, sharing it with the world, there's no way to prove that you are wrong. <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing to nitpick at. Um, so I think that's been part of, you know, it's almost, I've talked about a tunnel, but I've almost built a cocoon that, that allows myself to feel <laughs> safe in, in the work and the focus that I have. Um, I don't think that that's viable anymore. If I want to be successful at a higher level, if I want to have a lasting impact, I have to be you know, more open um, and I have to put myself out there more and I have to put my point of view and my beliefs out there more, hopefully so they resonate with people um, and help you know more junior talent become really, really successful. But that starts with you know, a level of self-assurance that, that I have to build and cultivate and feel comfortable with. Well, the concept of self-assurance um, is something that I always scratch my head and go, where did my personality begin? What were the biggest influences on my life? And then also, what were the largest moments of trauma in my life? So I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I did. I, I, I had the beauty of speaking on a podcast named Man Up. If you look it up, I don't think I was great on it, but I was probably quite emotional because it was a discussion about some of my earlier life experiences and how it shaped some trauma within me, which I don't, I'm not going to go into in this chat, but long story short, the trauma sits with me in my confidence levels. And when I engage people, because I can remember these shadows of failure, like they're like shadows. I don't, I don't even know the exact moment, but they just sit there and they subconsciously arise when, you know, sometimes in the worst moments. And so I guess my question to you is about when you think of some of the earliest influences on your life, you know, people and moments that have really shaped who you are. I mean, you have one of the most intentional personalities I know. You have one of the most competitive personalities that I know. And you, I will say this, and it's not to be facetious, you are very big on follow through. Like when you open your mouth, if it comes out, it will happen. And I don't believe that that comes without grooming. That doesn't come without influence. It doesn't come without contribution to your life and, and, and folks around you. So I just wanted to know, Mike, if you were to think back about some of the biggest influential people or influential moments that you think have really shaped your approach to life and relationships, I'd love for you to share. Yeah, you know, um, it's, a, it's a great question. And I do think that people are just a collection of their life experiences. And that is truly, and it truly defines a lot of who you are and, and how you behave. And, you know, not surprisingly, um, and I think this is true for lots of people, but, you know, my parents were hugely, hugely impactful on you know, who I am and the, the person I've become. And I think that, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's amazing that it stuck with me because it's the tiniest little anecdote. Um, but I do think that it's helped drive a lot of 
my um, point of view um, and, and how I see the world and, and where I think success comes from. Um, and so, you know, you know I, I grew up as a, as a basketball player and I, I turned into a pretty bad college basketball player, but, you know, a college <laughs> basketball player, nonetheless, nonetheless, right. something it's a that, big accomplishment. That's a big, you know, something, something I'm generally proud of. And I remember, um, we had a, we had a hoop in our front yard and I'd be in the driveway every day, just hooping every day, hooping, loved it. All I did. Um, and you know, I, I played well, you know, I, I, I from a young age was, was pretty good. Um, so I was out there, I was practicing one day, you know, just getting shots up and maybe I'm 12, you know, I'm a young kid. And so I come inside and, and my dad's sitting on the couch, just watching TV, hanging out. It's the weekend. And so I go ask him a question and you know, I'm, I'll paraphrase to some degree. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was like, you know, and it's absurd that I said this, but I was like, you know, how did my crossover get so good? Right? I'm like, which it probably wasn't at the time. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he looks up and he gives me this really odd look and he says, you practiced. And then he just goes back to doing whatever he was doing. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, okay. But so much is is that simple. You know, I, I truly believe like anyone who's really successful has had some s- stroke of luck at some point in, in their career. But I fundamentally believe that luck is a combination of preparation and opportunity. And I've never been the tallest. I've never been the best. I've never been the smartest. I, I was tall and I was good. And I was kind of smart. But I was never the best. Um, and so what always, in my opinion, gives you that edge, that opportunity is just practice. If you are willing to outwork the other guy, you can win. Um, and so if you know how to work smartly and how to work harder, you're eventually going to meet that opportunity. And someone's going to look at that from the outside and say it was luck, but it's actually the combination of preparation and opportunity. And so I've spent so much of my career and my life in some form of practice. And I think there's so many people that get, you know, outside of school to whatever degree of school they went to and, you know, get into the workforce and believe that practice no longer matters. They're going to learn the job on the job and they're going to gain experiences and skills from whatever it is they do. And it's just going to happen. Uh, I don't believe that. I think that once you get out of a structured schooling environment, the responsibility to learn and to practice falls on you rather Mm -hmm. than on a teacher that might have been in the front of the room, but it still exists. And Mm -hmm. so I'm constantly looking for ways to improve myself personally, professionally. Like, what can I do um, to realize the person I can become? And that focus and that effort, hopefully, you know, creates an opportunity where, where I can continue to be successful. But to me, it's all about identifying what you need to work on and then just going after it. And if you work harder and work smarter than the other guy, you'll be okay. The preparation is a topic that comes up a lot in the conversations that I have, whether it be um, attention to detail, you know, practice, um, all those words really become a big I, I would say a, a critical trait of leadership and influence. So might be a tough question because whenever I ask this one, it either becomes a spark moment or it goes, I've buried those thoughts so far, Jason, that I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> so I'll give you leeway here. And maybe I'll 
lead it with a little bit of me. Like I can remember a moment. I can remember a very crisp moment when I saw a preparation come to life for me and I never looked back. I can actually remember it. And this might be the only sports analogy I'll share on the podcast because I was a horrible athlete and man, I got lucky, but I can remember a moment in high school football where my high school football coach, I had gotten to a point, Mike, where I, I just thought I could just show up and I could, I, I, I was cruising, man. I, I was knocking people down, getting fumbles, getting sacks. I was feeling great. And it wasn't that I wasn't practicing. It was just that I certainly, I wasn't preparing, right? They're two different words, you know? Practicing can sometimes just be showing up, going through the motions. Preparing is practicing with intention. And so I wasn't preparing. And I remember my coach going, this is going to come and you are going to underserve yourself. You're not going to fail me. You're going to fail yourself because this next game is the biggest opportunity you're going to have and you're not preparing. And I remember going into that week, studying, looking at everything about the other team, about the other players. And I had the best game of my life. And I won some awards that year and I felt great. And it stuck with me that if I really prepare, if I come in with intention, I put the work in, I'll see the results. So I guess it's a question to you when you think about how important preparation and practice has been in your life. Can you think of a time or a moment in which that really crystallized and you knew I've succeeded, I've shown up, this is my shining moment. And if I continue to do this, I can have even even greater results. So it's, it's a great question. I'm actually going to flip it the other way um, because I do think that there have been, there have been moments and hopefully everyone's had moments where they feel success. Mm. Um, but at least for me, that's more fleeting than the moments of failure. I learn infinitely more from failure than I do from success. And I think part of that's natural, right? If you, if you succeed at something, there's no reason to go back and reevaluate what you did like you won okay whatever I did worked um when it didn't work there there's a more natural inclination for reflection so I'll take you back and, you, and you'll appreciate this I'm a I'm an assistant media planner right so first job first job I've ever had I don't know how to work I don't know how to do anything I went to a liberal arts school I was prepared for no actual work environment at all and so <laughs> You know, we're sitting there and I'm, I'm working on a media plan. And I think uh, I think Yahoo was the client at the time, which kind of dates me really effectively. Um, <laughs> but I legitimately had two pages, two pages in a presentation that I was supposed to present. So I'm like, OK, cool. I got this. I spent zero time looking at the pages before we were supposed to go in and present them. I'm like, yeah, I know the plan. It's fine. I'm just going to go in there and talk about it. It's great. Um, and so much and that maybe this is just me but i definitely think this is true in, mar in marketing and advertising probably true in a, a majority of industries there's there's a terminology and a language that is unique to the industry mm. there there's there are things you need to know in order to be able to articulate yourself effectively i knew none of these things yet mm. but i was unaware that they even existed i'm like i'm just gonna go in there and talk about this so i go in there completely freeze up in front of the client, can't even get through a, a summary and articulation of, you know, the flow chart before my, my boss has to step in and, and take over the conversation. And I remember walking out 
of, it was somewhere in the city, uh, somewhere in New York. I walked out of this large, large office building as there are many in, sitting in New York City and I had never smelt, felt smaller. You know, I'm looking up at this huge, huge skyscraper and I feel about the size of an ant. Um, and I was unprepared. I didn't appreciate the challenge in front of me. I didn't appreciate the importance and value of preparation. I just thought I was going to show up and because things work out for me, it was going to work out and it was going to work out because I am me. And that is arguably the most self-aggrandizing and ridiculous expectation of positive result that anyone could ever have. Mm -hmm. But that's a mistake that has sat with me for the entirety of my career. Mm -hmm. So I don't walk into meetings unprepared. I don't walk into presentations not knowing the material. I don't walk into any discussion without understanding the topic and having a point of view on that topic and a point of view that I can articulate effectively. Um, and all of that comes from that one little moment in time. And it's, it's funny, I've, I've went through kind of these two tiny stories, these fleeting moments in you know, my 38 years on the planet that have stuck with me and, and fundamentally helped kind of decide who I'm going to be and how I'm going to approach things. But I would say it's that it's that moment of failure and that moment of being unprepared um, and a reflection on that and why that failure took place that has you know, really changed my approach to everything that's in front of me. Well, I wanna quickly jump on that one. Um, talk to me about the word failure. I ask people this often um, and I may not lead this one as much as I do some of the other dialogue, but I will say this. I think that now with you being a great professional, but more importantly, being a great father and dad and husband, okay? Life is hard, life is difficult, it's not predictable. And we're not always going to make the best optimized decision. We have to make choices off of the data that we have. Then <laughs> in life, there ain't no spreadsheets, man. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, listen, and also I like for you to just talk to the folks that listen to you have this conversation with me about what does that word failure mean to you in your life? How do you leverage that concept of the potential of failure, the potential of not always getting it right? How does that drive you? How does that motivate you? How does it encourage you and how you go about your day-to-day -day life, Mike? Yeah, and I think that failure is highly misconstrued um, within our society on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes. Um, when I think about failure, it means to me that I tried something new and different. It's, it's really easy to achieve some level of success as it can be defined. Do what's been done before, you know, realize the most expected outcome based on that behavior and call it successful. Like that's fine, people can do that. Um, you're not going to push forward in any real or unique way. Um, so when I think about times that I failed or when I think about what failure means, it means I've tried something new and different. And I think that not only is that an exceptional learning opportunity, um, but it creates 
the opportunity to actually break through and find a new way to do something and do it more effectively. And so I generally look at failure as a positive opportunity to learn how to more effectively achieve success. And so it's something you, you inherently can't be afraid of, but in, in human nature, it is natural to fear failure and to try to avoid failure. And most of our culture and institutions and corporate organizations, no matter what they say, um, do not want to accept failure, do not feel comfortable accepting failure, and do not set a structure or put a culture in place that allows for failure. Um, all of that means that people optimize their behavior to outcomes they can predict. Mm. Um, and if you can effectively predict the outcome, that means it's probably been done before. If it's been done before, that means you're not going to break any new ground. You're not going to learn anything particularly interesting. And so, you know, whether it's dealing with, you know, a, a nine-month-old on a day-to-day -day basis where I have no clue what's going to happen or what he's going to want to do um, and trying to work my way through the best way to guide him um, on his journey um, and knowing that I'm not always going to be right or you know, what we do professionally in, in marketing and advertising and understanding that you know, there is no assurance of success no matter what you do. Um, and so therefore your only, your best opportunity is to identify the highest probability outcome of success and to go with that. And so therefore you have to be willing to accept that it's not gonna work. Um, and I think once you become comfortable with that acceptance, you can try different things and understand that if they don't work, you'll do something else. If they do work, you might have find a found a completely unique and different way to you know achieve outsized returns. Um, and you know when it doesn't, you will have learned some one way that doesn't work. And the more ways you learn that don't work, the more likely you are to find the way that does. And when you find the way that does, and it's new and different, again, the impact is going to reflect that. So I think failures an opportunity um, and something that we as a, a people need to become more comfortable with um, and truly comfortable with not hero, not heroing the once in a million, you know, oh, I failed a hundred times and now I did this and it's amazing. Um, like legitimately institutionalize acceptance of failure because it means you're pushing to do things differently. Oh man. I mean, <laughs> crap. I want to, uh, I feel motivated because I, I second guess myself sometimes. And I think the biggest moment for me in second guessing myself, <laughs> my wife will have a good one at this one, Mike, was becoming a father, man. I spent my whole life, I can remember it clearly, my friend, uh, I, because I didn't have my first son until I was in my early 30s. And I went through my life, oh, going to Bali, going to Paris, you know, taking trips, um, you know, Wednesday night at the club or the bar. It, life was good. It was good. And um, when you talk about failure, and I'll maybe associate it with maybe a sense of loss, you know, I had a loss in my family, you know, my father passed. And something about that was an awakening for me. And it was an awakening, Mike, that 
I'm only going to get one shot at this life. As far as I know, I ain't going to get another chance. I'm not. So every day I'm sitting here focusing on these material rewards in life are days I'm wasting on getting real intrinsic value out of the short time I'm going to have here on earth. And it never became clearer to me than waking up on the morning and not having a critical part of my life, my father not being there. And it was an instant realization. I have to establish a life of purpose and legacy. And it inspired me and my wife to take that next step to bring a child into the world, you know, Lord willing, because that's not a given either, but we certainly tried and we were successful. So I guess my question to you is now being a new father and congratulations, big time, being a new father, I wanted to hear a bit about what have you found most inspirational about your early fatherhood and, uh, and how was it shaped the way that you're thinking about life now? Well, first and foremost, man, I mean, I think that's a beautiful story and I, I love the, the inspiration that you took from what's often such a, a sad thing to have to go through in life and, and turn that into you know, the, the beautiful family that you have today. So, so kudos to you. Um, I can't say that I came at it from such an inspirational place. I was like, I'm, I'm looking at you know, my wife who you know, and it's like, I think it's time we need to do this if we want to do this. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe it, was, it was a bit more, more rational. I wish I had such a beautiful story, but you know, I think what, what I've found that just, you know, really inspires me on a day-to-day basis is just the, the wonderment and the joy, right? Like this little dude wakes up far too early every day, but every day <laughs> he wakes up and, you know, he stands up and he's got his hands on his crib and he's just ready to go. He's excited. There's a joy, um, you know, and that's something that you can lose and that you can forget as you go through what can become a really monotonous day to day. So I try to remember to wake up with that same joy in my heart, with that same excitement for the day that he has, um, because you, you see it and it's so real and so authentic. And it's been something that, you know, despite how early in the morning it might be, you know, gets me ready for my day as well. So I, I've taken that from him in a real way. And I think the, the second thing is his just sense of wonderment, right? We go through, eventually you get to an age where you go through life and there are probably days, weeks, months, where you don't do anything you haven't done before. Like, mm. Nothing's particularly new or novel. Uh, and that's probably very true in the year 2020. Um, but for him, every day, even though he spends most of it just in this apartment, he's experiencing something new. And there's a sense of wonder every time he experiences something new. So, you know, I've tried to look for those moments in my day, even if it's not something that's completely new, but that I can look at a different way um, or enjoy in a different way. Um, Because you can so easily let the world pass you by as you walk through it on autopilot. And I've tried to get as far away from that autopilot as possible to really, you know, take in the world around me a little bit more um, in the same way that he does. So, like, I think those are the two biggest things, man, that I'm just taking from him on a day to day basis and like hopefully are making me a better person, you know, making my life more fulfilled. I know he is making my life more fulfilled, but those are the two big takeaways, man. So interesting. 
well, one, congrats on taking care of your physique being a dad because that was the first thing I let go, trying to wake up every day with the little guys, man. But, you know, you get back to it. So um, congrats on that and keeping your energy going. Um, and with the time I have left with you, I mean, you've encouraged me so much, Mike, and you have encouraged me in my life. I mean, one of the reasons that um, I took the risk of inviting you here because I know you've got such a busy schedule and I've just prayed that I can, I can get you was each moment that we get together. I walk away feeling smarter. I walk away feeling more encouraged. I also more importantly, walk away feeling more intentional. And so the last question I wanted to ask you is about the concept of intent and words that you live by, a mantra of sorts or code that guides you as a being. And I love for you to maybe share with me and others, you know, what does that sound like for you? What is your sort of guiding rule set and how you approach life? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I definitely have something that, that I focus on. And it's funny, I think you actually embody this more than I do. So, so you're really an, an inspiration to me to hopefully um, live the words that matter to me more effectively. But, you know, what, what I always think about is that every day is an opportunity. Um, you wake up every day and you have an opportunity to make the world a better place, to make yourself a better person, to be a better father of better husband, a better colleague, um, every day presents that opportunity. Um, and I try to remember that um, each morning when, when I wake up um, because it does two things for me that are really important. Number one, it helps me not dwell on the past. We all have regrets. We've all made mistakes. We should all learn from them. Um, and when you learn from them to propel yourself forward, it's really valuable. When you dwell on it and stay stuck in those past mistakes, that's when it can become really harmful. Um, so knowing that every day is a new opportunity to be a better person allows me to you know, take any mistakes I've made in the past and turn them into a better future um, rather than dwelling on them. And then secondarily, um, it just reminds me that you know, anything I might not have achieved yesterday I have the opportunity to achieve today. Um, so everything that I want to become as a person is, is still out there for, for me to become it. And I have, a, I have a new opportunity to you know go out there and really try to achieve that. And that can be anything, right? It doesn't mean like I need to be Jason Dwayne Smith and today I'm going to start a podcast. Um, and you know tomorrow I'm going to join a new company and take over the advertising world. Although you're doing all of those things, um, you could get up and say, you know what? I try to meditate every day and I didn't meditate yesterday. So, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make a point of getting it done today. Um, you know, I was running around and doing a ton of things for other people yesterday. I'm going to carve out a little bit of, of me time today, right? Like it, it, it can be the smallest things, but if you get up every day with the intention to make it the best possible day, however you define that there's opportunity there and there's value there. And I think there's, there's joy and happiness there. So that's what I, that's what I try to focus on. Mike, I couldn't thank you more, man. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for sharing your story, encouragement and perspective on life. I know it helps me. I'm sure it will provide a lot of positivity for others as well. 
congrats on being a new, healthy, fit, amazing, smart dad that encouraged the rest of us, man. And uh, I couldn't thank you anymore. I appreciate it, Mike. No, man, listen, I appreciate you having me. I think what you're doing is is so, so important, um, especially in the times that we're living in, getting to the true humanity of what makes people who they are um, and really delving into that and being so open with your own journey, I think is so important. So I'm just happy to have you.